0: Welcome everybody to the hockey think tank podcast brought to you by the hockey think website for all players parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet what an episode we have for you guys here today we got another western michigan bronco another Western Michigan Bronco on the podcast. He grew up in the Los Angeles, California area, won a national championship as a player, then went on to play his college hockey at Western Michigan, played a couple years pro. Now he is back in LA in the youth hockey system. There has won a national championship as a youth coach. Also uh, works and runs RAD hockey out there in LA. We have Brett Beebe on the podcast. This one is one you do not want to miss this pay attention <laughs> like this was one of the best that we've done vex and uh i think a lot of people are going to get a lot of perspective on youth hockey in this one it's got such great perspective um such a way about talking about uh the game and development and and just the way and the state that the game is in right now so i uh, can't wait to get over to this conversation but before we do let's bring on the talent of the podcast jeffrey jehu zoolander Lavecchio, vex what's up today, brother?
1: Man, this was a great pod. I mean, I just got to say, we bring on these Western guys and they knock it out of the park, bro. I mean, let's just, we had a good, you know, you and I got the CC, the cousin connection. We used to call it when we play in the tournaments when we were younger. And I feel like we had a little connection, the three of us here with uh, with Biebs, uh, the Bieber. Uh, absolutely slayed. I, I love how we came out of the gates hot with multi-sport athlete he was in California and talked about basketball and how he thinks that that really helped him become an elite hockey player. Um, And that's something that you and I have talked about. We've talked about on the podcast. Adam Nicholas and I have talked quite a bit about that, you know, on the podcast and off the podcast, how he uses basketball and um, different ways that they they run basketball plays and things like that and move, um, you know, with NHL players. And it's something that I've really – come to use in the gym with my guys in the off season. I really truly believe that basketball is a great uh, cross training sport for hockey. So we started off hot with that. And then everything he talked about, you know, I, I obviously we really, really um, enjoy and and agree with, with the things that he was saying. And I I think this is a great, I think this is one of our best podcasts. I think that just like what he was saying, I think a lot, it's great for, you know, more people in the hockey world to, to be saying these things and I'm excited for you guys to hear this one.
0: For sure. For sure, man. And, and a lot of the stuff is stuff we talk about quite a bit on the podcast, but every time you can get a fresh voice, every time you can get somebody new who's saying things in a different way, who has different perspective, who lives somewhere else, who's had different experiences, um, it, it goes a long way and, and validates a lot of the stuff that we believe in, um, particularly because the way that he's doing it, like it's working. Uh it's working and doing things the right way is working which is uh weird right yeah exactly um so yeah this was just man this was an awesome awesome conversation i think a lot of people are going to take a lot out of this one just the perspective of just doing things the right way and developing players developing people just the whole system as a whole and and uh yeah man that was
1: it was it was awesome Yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to love this one. Really excited for you guys to hear it. For sure.
0: For sure. And it's interesting, like I've gotten to talk to so many different people over the past month or so, since we've laid out this organization blueprint that we're doing and like just getting perspective from people who do things differently, but believe in similar things. And like, it just reinvigorates you to try to do the best job that you can Mm -hmm. knowing that people are doing things the right way, knowing that there are people out there who are extremely passionate about the things that they're doing, extremely passionate about the development of people and development of kids in the hockey rink. And like it, it, like every time I have a conversation like this and I've had so many of them over the past month, month and a half or so, like it just, it, it, again, it validates what we're doing and, and it just like helps you to just grow your passion even more for making a difference in this game because Lord knows we need change. Like we need change in this game. It's not going in the right direction. Right. And, and so, like having positive people to be able to talk and especially with our audience and 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 the microphone that we have and the megaphone that we have with the amount of people that we reach in doing this podcast these types of conversations are going to change things because it it, it has to happen and we talk about this on the podcast it has to happen on a granular granular level like it, it has to be one organization at a time doing things the right way. It has to be people stepping outside of maybe what everybody's doing right now and trying something different um, and not even necessarily that different, but just, just tweaking some things. And like, that's what it's going to take to change the culture of, of our game, which we've dedicated our entire lives to and want to see go up <laughs> in the right direction. And so, yeah, like this is one of those that, i think is going to like inspire people who listen to to do things the way they that they need to be done to ch- to create some of that change and create the just the betterment of our culture so our kids can
1: get better in this game they are 100% you know i think the I think the biggest thing is adults have ruined it—not ruined it, but are are ruining it uh, currently with their own egos. And you know, like it's hard to take your ego out of certain things. But like, we we always have to come back to like, why are you coaching? Why are you on the board of your organization? Why are you deciding? You know, the schedules for the teams. Why are you helping? Why do you want to be the team manager? It's for the effing kids, all right. It's for the kids. And even though. I, would, I, I never want to ever tell anyone you don't have a chance at playing in the NHL or playing pro or getting a scholarship or playing juniors. Like That's not what it's about. But the realization is very, 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 very few are going to make it to those highest levels, even Division I, even the USHL, OHL, WHL, QMJHL. Very few are going to make that. It doesn't mean that we, we dissuade them from trying to. But what I want to get at is that, We're doing these things and having them play sports because of all of the life lessons that it's going to instill in them to help them make our country better, make the world better, make better people, make more competitive people, just just all around better freaking people. And we need to always remember that that is first and foremost our job as adults running a children's sport. And also (laughs) just drop the mic. On top of
0: it, that's that's very altruistic of what you're saying. But let's also call the spade a spade here. Like when we talk about playing less games, and we talk about investing more of your money in development rather than like that, that's actually going to make your kid better too. So if the end goal, if if your kid has a dream of playing at the highest levels, like stop running them ragged. You know, like it's what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes. is so true. We're, we're going to develop better people, but we're also going to develop better hockey players too. The problem is, is that the way things are going right now, everybody's doing it. I don't want to say the wrong way, but like everybody's the wrong, pl- but the wrong way too much. And everybody's playing, you know, year are like, and that's where like, it's going to take people again at a community level at a, at, at a single organization level to try and step out of it and, and do things the way like, look so much of the way that youth sports and youth hockey is set up goes against so many of the research based development principles of how to develop athletes it's insane how backwards that is it's literally insane so this is a conversation that will reinvigorate and restore like the values of what actually makes better hockey players on top of the better people, which at the end of the day we would argue is the most
1: important thing. Love it, hell yes! <laughs> Let's go get it over to this guy. Let him <laughs> let him
0: drop some knowledge bombs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and the one thing we do need to say quickly before we do get over to that and and our sponsors is that, and again, we said this last podcast. We're going to say it again. We're we're almost there. Like we are developing something, Vax and I and a couple other people that is going to take what we are talking about to the next level. Like to the next level. And nope. and I wish we could say more right now. We can't Don't say more right now. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you do it. But literally in the next couple of weeks, like be on the lookout for some pretty cool announcements that we feel like is going to change the game. Like literally going to change the game, and we're we're pumped for it. So, uh, you know, you you know when Vex gets that extra little, he gets that extra little pep in his step. He's got a little extra pep in his step when it comes to what we're talking about right now, right? Just like a little, little. (laughs) What what was that? I'm go. fired up tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Um, okay. We are going to get over to Brett here in just a second. Before we do, we do want to thank some people who have supported us so much throughout our podcast journey. First is our title sponsor, Gel Sticks. Go to GELSTX.com and get your discount on waiting Trading Sticks by using the coupon code thinktank one Word. Pros use them. College teams use them. NTDP uses it. Jeff uses them in their gym. Just a fantastic, fantastic uh, development tool. If you want to make your shot better, Vex uses them in the gym. They also have golf clubs. They also have lacrosse sticks. Uh, research-based. Awesome, awesome, awesome product. So go to gelsticks.com today.
1: I um, want to thank Train Heroic. Train Heroic is the unbelievable app that allows me to train so many players for hilariously cheap. Talking about trying to do the right things in hockey all of my online training could be four times as expensive. The, the reason that I do it is to help as many people that I would never be able to work with in person because there's only so many hours in the day and I can't do more than I already do in the off season. So like I keep the price super affordable and low and it's the highest quality of training with videos of me coaching and demonstrating everything. That's the reason that right now I am the current online strength coach for division one NCAA university because the program and the app works so well. Same with a D three team, a USHL team, an NAHL team, uh, NCDC teams, and all these organizations of, of, and teams across the country. So train heroic. I can hey, by the way, did you, or did you not put those videos
0: up on YouTube too?
1: Oh yeah. So something
0: on the IG on the gram, yeah, about you that. know,
1: my whole thing, man, gmbm bro i'm wearing the hat like I, I i live it dude and so what i now that i have my basement gym that's like a studio for me to film all my videos uh yeah go to gmbm.com check it out um i am now all the new videos from my basement because like the sound is great and and the lighting you can see the exercise is better from now on when i when i film the new videos for my online training i will put them all up on my youtube um oh, I yeah, for free, for free, guys. I so I told I said this to my Instagram the other day, Instagram that I use the way that I use it is the what I try to show quick new exercises so people can like get think outside the box and what I'm using with NHL, NFL, blue check mark guys, all that type of stuff As Stephs put stuff on the <laughs> screen here, right? Um, that's the what because nobody would listen to the how, you, you know, but the YouTube are me actually coaching through them literally for free i'm giving away things that have taken me 20 years to learn and get better every year at, at how to do things and make them better and, and more effective and efficient and all those things so i think the youtube that i use for that is ripped hockey or ripped th app but if you go on my instagram i'll have it in, in the bio there and you can just watch all these videos for free and learn for free guys so um, Train Heroic allows me to do all of that, and, and I can't thank them enough. I also want to thank uh, uh, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is a CBD company um, that I'm with. I'm an athlete with them. I use it twice a day, every single day. My discount code with them is GMBM. You can go to curednutrition.com, and you can try any of their stuff with my discount. And if you have any questions, like I mean this, you know, people DM me all day, every day. And it's I look at it as my job to help as many people as I can while I'm on this earth. That is what I want to do with my life. And so if you have questions about uh, uh, CBD and and could it help you, how could it help you, which product might be best for you, I have people reach out to me all the time. Just reach out to me and uh, just ask me about Cure Nutrition and I'll hook you up. CureNutrition.com, discount code GMBM.
0: Boom, there we go. Thank you also to Helios Hockey, an unbelievable product that can help with your hockey development. What Helios Hockey is is it is a sensor chip that you put into your shoulder pads and you get real-time feedback. So everything from stride mechanics to a cool hustle score, which – the young kids really, really love uh, just based on your your movement on the ice. And the game changer for this one is it pairs up with whatever video you're using, iPad, iPhone, camera, live barn, whatever it may be, and it cuts your shifts for you. You get your shifts instantly uh, right after the game. And so what an unbelievable development tool that that is. So go to helioshockey.com and we also have a discount code with them where any Think Tank listener can go to their website and Use the discount code think tank one word and give all new Helios members 20% off their initial 12-month membership. And you will get that sensor, like I talked about, to put into your shoulder pad for free. So Helios hockey, great partner. And another great partner is icehockeysystems.com. The best place to go for all your coaching education needs. They have thousands of drills. They have whiteboard explanations from unbelievable hockey people on system structure hockey development things, uh, there is an opportunity for you to go in there and draw up all of your drills and and create a library for yourself or we have partnered with them to do an associations platform where you can do this with every single coach in your organization. Think about that. For all the hockey directors or presidents that are listening to this, you have an opportunity to create a library for your entire organization. All the coaches can put in all of their drills, all of their practice plans. Just think about that that mom or, their da- or that dad that has a, Nine to five job that has to rush to the rink for their son or their daughter's practice, and how much life could be easier for them by having this product. And so, icehockeysystems.com. Go there today. Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable product here, and uh, and get your association's platform. With that, we also want to thank all of you for continuing to listen to our podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate every like. We appreciate every comment, every download, every rating, every follow. And we continue to do this and bang these out. Guys, we're like a month and a half away from 300 episodes of doing this. That is absolutely insane. And without the support from you guys and without the growth of our podcast and you continuing to give us this type of feedback and and us kind of seeing the the impact that we're having on the hockey world. Uh, I don't know if we'd be at 300 uh, or even still be doing this. And so we appreciate it so much, guys. Uh, so, so, so much. This is going to be a podcast conversation that is going to be up there with our most downloaded ever because of the type of conversation that it was. And we're just really, really thrilled to bring this to you. So without further ado, here we go with Brett Beebe. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. If you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can see all the available lines and all the available odds for all NHL games going on. That's right. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings sportsbook with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for, ga- for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG. Dot com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast... Out on the West Coast. Is that the best coast? I don't know. They're going to say it's the best coast out on the West Coast. Our East Coast people might not agree, but uh, we got Brett Beebe on the podcast. Brett, how you doing today, man? Oh, it's good, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, another Western Michigan Bronco on here.
1: Pine on pineapple, on, Western. <laughs> the ice yep. score a goal. That's right.
0: Onward for the Brown and Gold. Let's go. Oh man, am I going to have to start singing Hail to the Victors or my Nobody's to longer,
2: nobody's nobody's uh more of a Bronco fan and supporter than me. I can promise you that no matter <laughs> how much anyone else thinks they are. I love it. Hell yes. I love, awesome, hey, they're man. coming
1: here this weekend, man. I talked to uh talked to coach earlier and was like, "Yo, the boys coming out here, are you practicing? Let me get on the ice with them. I'm going to go full gear." They're not even <laughs> no, good. They're going gonna, gonna like, to yeah, put the bet, jersey bro. behind you back on. Oh, bro, I'm going to smash this thing behind me, put it back we, on. I'm going to go out there with the C and try and play in the game. <laughs> we, we literally, we set up a midget
2: showcase in Kalamazoo this year. Me and Derek Rail, who's the assistant coach at Little Caesars, and we played together. We set up a, a midget showcase with six of the top 10, 16 AAA teams in the country this year in Kalamazoo just so that they can make sure that they're getting the the top yes. players. So.
1: <laughs> yes. 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 yes.
0: Uh, oh, it. gosh. He Very
1: every every time that i've got a stud in the gym doesn't matter if they're 13 14 16 17 i'm texting them i'm like yo i got a guy he's got every college calling him get on the horn let's go here's his mom's name here's their address this is his favorite food all right let's get this guy (laughs) when, when i was there we had eight californians
2: on the roster when we beat michigan for the ccha championship so we're we, one of our players from our 16 team just committed there, so it came full circle and was really freaking cool.
1: That wow. Cool. Unreal. Congrats, man. Yeah. There's been a bunch of guys in the years after I left Western uh to sign in a three-letter league you guys probably heard of. starts with an N. And uh that, there was like three to five guys from St. Louis that wound up going to Western yep. after me. So, I, yeah. like, so cool. So cool. We had
2: the, we had the St. Louis we – we definitely had the St. Louis and uh, L.A
1: crew for sure when we were there it was awesome pretty cool pretty cool all
0: right your little love fest here Yeah, I'm, I'm with the show i'm with the show yeah. go on with the Borophil. geez oh well brad we appreciate you coming on man and uh we got so much to ask you but at the beginning we always ask our guests to come on how they fell in love with the game and you got a pretty cool story um of, of how you fell in love with it so if you can enlighten our listeners and how you fell in love with this great game of hockey
2: Yeah, I I think I have an awesome story about that. I was the prototypical L.A., you know, California kid that played every sport, um, you know, played basketball, baseball, football, soccer, whatever was in season. And my next door neighbors were a little bit older than me um, and they played uh, they played hockey. And they played with uh, with Gabe Gauthier, who is probably one of the bigger names to come out of California here.
0: He was the name when we were like 14, 15 yeah. years old. And I, yeah, and I went
2: to games watching them play and like, you know, w- watching him and my my neighbor. And and so I wanted to fit in with them. So I threw on rollerblades and there was a, uh, a an outdoor league at a park next to my house. And they literally used border patrols and a ball. And, um, and we started there and that league ended up... Um, growing a little bit. And they actually put a, um, an actual roller rink in and, and had a, a really cool league. And my dad and another friend's dad ended up starting a little travel team out of that. So from like seven to nine, we played travel roller hockey. And from that group of kids, it was like 18 of us and eight or nine guys got division one college scholarships eventually. And one guy played in the NHL, a couple draft picks. And when the Kings built their facility where I coach now in 99, that's what brought us all over to ice hockey and um and it's you know why i'm back here still coaching and being involved because it led me on an incredible journey
0: vex that's just it's really weird multiple sports and roller hockey having fun with it and end up having eight or nine players get division one scholarships weird how that happens
2: you know oh. the amount of the amount of times I've I've copied and pasted links to your guys' podcast talking about that to some of our families that you know I, I'm involved in spring hockey um, I'm involved in regular season hockey and I see the families that are on the ice seven days a week year round and and they're like what can we be doing to get better and I'm like stop coming to the rink and here's a link to this you know this incredible podcast and. You know, go sign up for baseball or basketball or whatever else. And it's an
1: absolute no-brainer. Let me especially here where the weather's nice. Like go do something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and vitamin D is so vital to our health. And because we all hockey players, we're in rinks all the time. There is zero sunlight in rinks. And now kids are in them all winter, seven days a week. Some of them, they're inside all the time. And, you know, during uh, uh, Voldemort 19, one of the biggest factors for ri- risk factors of uh, suffering from long covid or or ending up in the hospital was literally low vitamin d levels vitamin d isn't really a vitamin it's a hormone we need this to be healthy um, and it helps us recover as athletes so you live in a place like california you got to take advantage of the sun that that is literally an advantage over so many players in other states that that they don't have so getting outside playing moving other sports all these reasons but i wanted to ask you because you said you played uh, uh, multiple sports Sports growing up. I know this is kind of a hard question, but looking back, which sport that you played do you think helped you be a better hockey player the most?
2: Yeah, I think basketball.
1: Oh, dude, that is the one that looking back, I say all the time. And what's funny is um, the first time I ever thought of that at Western Michigan my freshman year, a bunch of the freshman guys went to the rec center. And Patrick Gallivan, who was in my class, unbelievable guy, GBN performance, check them out, um, was my liney there. He was nasty at basketball. And at this time, he was barely playing at Western. Like, he wasn't really getting a shot. He was a recruited walk-on. And I remember watching him move with the basketball on the court and doing all these things that I literally, like, couldn't even try to do. And then I would be watching him on the ice, and I was like, dude, because he's able to do that with the basketball on the court is why he moves the way he does on the ice. And the fact that I can't do that on the court is the way that I'm a robot on the ice right now. And that started to kind of be like, man, I I should start messing around with basketballs more. And I did the rest of my career for 10 years in pro. I started using basketballs in my warmups and things like that because I think there's so much transfer. Um, And if you'll indulge me very quickly here, you got to play with your head up. You know, you've got to be constantly scanning while you're moving. And that uses all these different things in our brain that you got to work on. The coordination of dribbling, the coordination of dribbling while moving, there's passing. And in passing, you don't pass to where the guy is unless you're standing still. You pass to where they're going to be, which is very important in hockey and a skill that younger players need to learn. You know, there's all these different things, picking, yeah. rolling, Body control, not falling over, bumping, seems, finding well, seams. Yeah, I'm
2: guys, you know. Well, I think the, and the 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 big from a from just like an anticipation and a court awareness sense, like you play offense and you play defense, and there's transition. So it's like, you know the, you know the the understanding of okay, we're we're on offense. And, or we're on defense and, and we, we created a steal or a turnover or whatever, and, and we got to go play offense, you know, you're, you're constantly figuring out where, you know, open space is and, and moving around guys. And, um, like, I wasn't a great shooter because um, I just – playing so many sports, I just never really spent the amount of time that I needed to spend, you know, shooting hoops like other guys. So I was a passer and, a, and I was just super competitive on defense. And so I I think it, it helps you it helps fuel the competition level in you too. Cause you can you can be you know until a certain level, you can be an effective basketball player just by playing really, really hard. Um and so it was like such a fun outlet. But I like I remember, you know, again, I, I think the game has changed hockey's changed a lot in terms of the commitment level um that's expected by coaches and and you know and stuff like that. But like I, I remember vividly, um, you know, going from hockey in the morning with a gym bag of my basketball stuff in it to, 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 to basketball, to, to baseball practice afterwards, like changing in the back of my dad's suburban and, you know, doing that like reg like regularly. And it wasn't like, it wasn't travel. It wasn't, uh, you know, whatever else it was like, it was the local basketball league or whatever school I played for and it was little league or pony league or whatever. It wasn't like, you know, and I, I don't know. It was just, it was just all fun. Like I, it was, it was just, it, it wasn't like, it, you didn't feel like you were training or that I was using basketball to be a better hockey player or that I was doing whatever. It was just, it was just fun. And I was super compet, still am super competitive and it got that, kind of competitive juice flowing all the time in different ways.
1: I don't want to belabor this point, but I think one of the most important things that you just said was talking about working on spatial awareness. I think in the game today with how fast it is, the stops and starts, you know, how smart players are now, what they're able to do with the puck and put it in spaces. Spatial awareness is something that, A lot of players don't work on, especially in skill stuff now where it's very individualized and it's just like you against like objects on the ice. You're not learning what that depth is between me and the defender and the wall and the net and all these things and and picking. So I think that that is a a really important thing that basketball can really teach you Um, and the competitiveness and you're having fun and you don't realize you're training. I have so many parents reach out to me because my Instagram is huge now. What's up at Jeff Becchio reach out to me. Hey, what should, I had a call with a dad and if he's listening, I love you, bro. And I'm glad you called with a dad of a player who was like seven years old, asking me how we should start off ice training. And I was like, play other sports and have fun, get in the yeah. yard with me, and throw the ball. And so a lot of parents are now like, I want to get him into training guys, parents, co- young coaches, the best training for young athletes is playing other sports. All right. And because it's cheaper. They, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper. <laughs> I'm the guy who gets paid to train people. Right. Like, but you, what they need to learn is all of these things that sports teach them, you know, like you could have a kid get in there and like do sprints and all this stuff. But when you're competing and having to express skill, like you have to, in other sports while you're sprinting, while you're stopping and starting, while you're jumping and passing, you're not just working on things you'd be doing in the gym. You're expressing skill while doing those things. And that's what you do in hockey. And that's what they need to get when they're younger and it's fun. We're yeah, not and, burn them out.
2: And I, and I think in my experience so far, like I, I do think that, you know, there's, there's the, I, I think parents, every, every parent wants to see their kids succeed at, at, at everything they do. Right. And, I think that when you are, okay, I'm a hockey player, right? At eight years old, like a lot of parents now want their kids to be the best hockey player they can be, right? A lot of kids now with with media and everything else, they see they see all, a lot of things that we didn't see maybe growing up. We just caught whatever game was on or whatever. And we're like, oh, that's my favorite team or that's my favorite player. Like now kids are watching other kids training, right? On Instagram or whatever. And parents post that that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, if I don't do that, am I falling behind Um, when when really what we encourage them to do is like you said, you don't need a trainer at 10 years old. You don't need a trainer, but like, you know, sign up for the local basketball league and go, go practice once a week and, and play a game once a week. Like even if it's in season or um, you know, same thing in the off season, like play a couple different sports, touch the ice, a couple times here or there, do a tournament or two here or there. Um, but but you don't need to be on the ice four days a week in the in the in the summer, and you don't need a personal trainer um, at, at that age. Like maybe you know if you want to have some group sessions or whatever. But we see the I see the biggest gains from our kids that take a break and refresh and come back excited to play hockey in September because uh, they you know they they touch the ice here and there, but they didn't play um tournaments every other weekend and, and i think it's funny we have a kid that played for us um last year and he great kid uh ben kevin he was a third overall ushl draft pick this last year he led our team in scoring last year he led nationals at scoring um and he's he had never really ever had any guidance on how to actually be a hockey player he was just totally gifted offensively and he was a a great skater and everything else he didn't make the NTDP this year They, they thought he was a little too raw and despite putting up the numbers and everything else and that is that's fine um but he came back after the season and he was normally a kid that would do five or six tournaments he would get invited to all of these things he would do these tournaments and he played he just played all summer this summer he just trained all summer no no you know no spring tournaments no none of that stuff and he came to us and I was like whoa and Des Moines brought him in for their main camp not expecting to keep him they told us hey he's coming back to you guys he led their team in scoring for a couple weeks and they're like yeah we're keeping him and now he's at I think he's put up like 30 points in 25 games or something like that as a, a 16 year old in the USHL and just one summer of dedicating to like I'm not gonna skate every day, I'm not gonna play all these tournaments. He put on some weight, did all the stuff and like became an athlete. And it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 12, like that's how you get better. I see it every, every day. And the and there's kids that put in the work all summer. They do all the workouts. They skate all summer and then come, you know, October and the kids that took the break that might not be quite where they are in September are jumping past them by November, December. It's not even close.
0: I think we just end the podcast now, guys. <laughs> right. You don't need to take anything else out of this. For everybody that's listening, you don't need to take anything else out of this except for you yeah, two guys. And I'm,
2: I'm, I'm like you, Vex. Like, I, I I, run a spring and summer program. Like we, we have camps. We do some tournament teams. We run a college camp here. We do some on-ice training and stuff like that the first thing I say to everyone when they ask what they should be doing within our program is whatever you need to do. Like, There's not an expectation that you're going to do all of it. We offer all of these things, not expecting you to sign up for all of them. It's like we offer tournaments each month that you can participate in, not because we want you to play in a tournament every month, but because everyone's schedule is different. And maybe you want to play in one in April and one in June, not because we want you to play April, May, June, July, August and then go into the, it's just, it's just there for people that, you know, everyone's schedule is different. So I'm in the same boat. Like it would be better for my business if I was like, Hey, you should be doing all of these things all the time. It's like, absolutely not. And I think, I don't know, you know, this is just segueing, but like, especially in California and in non kind of non-traditional markets, but even in general, like, um, A lot of people end up doing so much stuff, not because they think that that's what they're supposed to be doing, but it's because they go into their off season without a plan. And so it's just whatever comes up is the thing that they think they need to sign up for. And then by the end of the summer, they've signed up for so many things that they're like, where did the time go to actually like train and get better and enjoy being, enjoy summer and enjoy a vacation and time with people. And so like that absence of a plan uh, tends to be something that we see a lot of people f- fall into. It doesn't matter really what the age is. That's So really is there,
1: interesting. is there a way we as coaches at the end of the season, like what, what do we do? How do we yeah. get in front well, of that? You know, I what do the, you say to your team?
2: Yeah. I think the, I think the hard part is that you can't wait until the end of the season because like I, yeah, they're getting I,
0: emails in January.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like I've been, I've been doing the spring and summer stuff for, it's kind of since I started, so like six or seven years of of, of like this, 10 years total of our camps and, and whatnot. And it, it used to be that there was like, you know, kind of the same tournaments every year. And then now I think COVID, um, because everyone lost a season and they sort of had to start playing in the spring and the summer because they lost their season – it blew up the amount of spring and summer hockey events. And when everyone signed up for a million spring and summer events, because they missed out on a season, all of those, all of those companies um, sort of, um, you know, were like, Oh, let's capitalize on this. And after that, it was like the never ending spring and summer saga of tournaments and events.
0: It affects your faces at all. And
2: one. What I would tell what I tell our what I would tell our kids is I meet with all of our players uh, multiple times a year. Like I'm I'm big on meeting with the players and the families all year. Like we set our families can set time with me whenever they want. Um, and a lot of that talks about what the off looks like and what next year looks like and what they should be doing. And for midget players, which are usually the ones that I kind of advise with the most, it's like, hey, if you were drafted to a USHL team, like you're going to that camp. Um, you know, if you want to go to one other, maybe exposure event or something like that, or uh, go for it, if not, you know, take a break, get into your recovery right away and, and start your, start your training and stay local. Like, don't, you don't need to, you don't need to bounce around. So with the younger kids, like, you know, it's obviously a little bit, a little bit different, but it's like, Hey, a lot of families, you need to set a budget number one for how much. You want to spend and then and then work backwards from there so if it's like hey we are going to spend x amount of dollars let's just i mean it's crazy how much stuffs costs now but we're going to spend x amount of dollars what's the best way to allocate those funds and it's like well you can go to tournaments that on average you're pro- like we've kind of done we've kind of done um the math on it and it's about two thousand dollars for a parent and a child to travel to a tournament from Cal this is from California. By the time you pay for the airfare, the hotel, the food, the tournament entry fees and and things like that, you're all in about two grand. So I've done the math and broken down. I'm a nerd on this stuff. So like I've broken down the math on, okay, if you're, if you're, what type of return on your investment do you want? Um, for that $2,000, maybe you're playing five games. If your team has three lines, you're playing an average of a third of the game. If you have the puck on your stick for five seconds of shift, you're touching the puck X amount of times during a game. So for $2,000, um, you've got the puck on your stick for, you know, a, a total of like four minutes in the course of a five game weekend. Um, if you play five games, and you're, you know, you're only on the ice for a third of each of the games, like, okay, then you are actually only on the ice for this much time. For that same $2,000, you can spend 50 bucks or whatever it is and be on the ice for an hour with a coach. And how many hours are you actually on the ice with a puck on your stick or doing skating drills or whatever else, and which one's the better return on investment for you? So I have a whole like – pdf breakdown that we'll just hand out to people um you know and i do think there's something about for younger kids like playing a playing with really really good kids and against really really good kids a couple times during the summer at a young age is really really useful um i don't think you need to play in the super elite tournament series that goes for six months and you're paying a shit ton of money just because you want to be involved in that status ecosystem is, or whatever yeah. and it's and it's all pre-puberty so like it's not even real hockey um and so that's how i do it is i i start with okay well how much what do you want your off season how much do you want it to cost do you want it to cost ten thousand dollars so that you can do five tournaments do you want it to cost ten thousand dollars so that you can do one tournament and you can you know do all these other things like what do you want it
1: Go on think vacation. about Think about all that money too. Oh, $10,000. Well, you could play two local sports throughout the summer that will cost you maybe a grand. You could maybe. also pay for a nutritionist to help you learn about, like, healthy foods and what that looks like that might cost you a grand to work with them the whole summer and then the other eight grand you can put in the stock market or a cd and make four to eight percent so let's do that mom and dad and that'll what about a vacation season. As soon as yeah, yeah vacation you know whatever yeah, you, there's a lot of things you could do with that money that is going to actually help you way longer and especially in the long run than going to freaking 16 yeah. elite four-year-old tournaments here
2: yeah you know and and look i think i think the the hard part for a lot of the a lot of the parents that are out there that i'm sure will watch this or or will see this is like you you don't know what you don't know until you've gone through it and you know i think that there's a lot of parents that you can lean on that have already had kids that have gone through all of this and they will talk about what they would have done differently or what they liked or didn't like and i think the you know, the the people that give advice that have nothing to gain from giving that advice are the people you want to listen to. Like you guys that, you know, you put this thing together for the betterment of the hockey community. And it's like, you look at the careers that you guys had and and what you're doing now. And it's like, why would you guys purposely mislead people? You have no financial gain in any of this. Like, you know, the people that run these tournaments and and these programs, like they have all the financial, you know things to gain by saying like, Hey, yeah, you need to sign up for all of these things. You need to do these things. Like here's your pipeline on how you're going to get to where you want to go. Like, look at all these players that did this before you. Um, And I could just as easily make a list of the players that didn't do any of those things that also made it. So it's like what data points do you want to use in this stuff?
0: And it is pretty crazy. I feel like right now my, my Instagram algorithm there's like a lot of like hockey academy and summer yeah. and spring tournaments. Like those are the paid ads that I'm seeing based on who I follow and, you know, yeah. what I'm putting my attention towards and stuff. And like, it's like every day I see something new. I'm like, yeah. how many different tournaments can there be? And how many, like, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And the, and the program, when, when I
2: started doing the, the tournaments, uh, we we originally just started as a camp. So we were like a local, we were kind of a local camp that, all the tier level kids would come to like we were, it was, it was usually two weeks in the summer and there was certain age groups in one week and certain age groups in the other uh, age group. And like, even though I coach with the Kings, I have a really good relationship with all the clubs here in, uh, in town and, and, and on the West coast. And it's not about building anything for the Kings or, or whatever it's about. I just want all the best players that love hockey and whatever else come train and then go back to whatever uh, team you played on and it and so when we started it when we added the tournament teams it was more just like you know hey this was a good opportunity for kids that normally play on different teams in in the west coast here to come play together meet new players like maybe the coyotes kids in Arizona the kings kids the ducks kids whatever they play together and now we've created some relationships where those teams can play more games against each other locally or whatever else um and now it's it's gotten to the point where Um, we kind of broke away this year and I, I set up something different. We'll still do a couple tournaments outside of this, but I set up a small league with five other spring and summer programs that have been around for a little while. And we just got tired of going to events that have, you know, 20 teams in a division and you have no idea what the level of teams are that you're going to be playing. And you're paying a premium price. Now, every tournament has gone from like 1700 bucks to like three grand now and you have to do a state of play. You don't know where you're staying or what rink you're playing at until a few weeks before the tournament. A lot of times they're 30 minutes apart. They're different rinks, whatever. And like, we used, we were like very affordable. Um, And so, but the way we were affordable was like, you know, we'd have, normally the games are at the same rink. So we'd have two coaches go to coach three teams. Right. So that there was some overlap, there was an overlap in one of the games. Now you can't do that because there's 15 rinks that they're playing out of and they're, you know, far apart. And like, so now I've got to pay for extra coaches to go and hotels. And so it's just like, we started this league, there's six programs. We're all going to bring five birth years. All the games are at the same rink. It's, it's a state of play, but like all the teams are built into the hotel model. So like we're responsible for the hotels and it's not a third party, which means that we can keep other things cheaper because we're using hotel some of the hotel revenue to, to offset our cost and on thursdays before the tournaments we're offering uh skill sessions that all six of the programs the teams are going to bring their coaches together to collaborate all the kids from the different programs can come skate together parent have some parent socials bring in some people that like maybe you guys to talk to the parents about the craziness of all of this stuff and and what they should be doing and, and maybe what they should stay away from and, um, and really, you know, create something that's more than just show up, play games, go home. And that's what I think the, the vision of that whole thing is about.
0: Let me, let me ask you this, because I feel like this is one of the hardest things for me in youth hockey in particular. And that is like, when I heard you talk about like, Bringing people together in the same area and kind of all working as one to do things, you can't do that anywhere. Like you literally like, and it it that's what infuriates me the most is like this competition competition between you know adults who are fifty to sixty years old, you know, and their egos. Yep. And and that getting in the way of being able to do things like this, like it, I'm in Chicago. There's five yeah. AAA teams in Chicago. All five AAA teams are are good enough to play a lot of games against each other. Like the strength of the teams are not so, you know, up and down where you'd have yeah. good games. But yeah. there were like literally like somebody sent me, uh, <laughs> somebody sent me a. Uh, an Excel spreadsheet of all the tier one programs in Chicago and the amount of games that they've played Vax, I don't know if I've even showed you this yet. Um, there there's like squirt AAA teams that have played over 50 games before Christmas yeah. and have traveled six times. Yeah. And Before, and Christmas? before or, yeah. Christmas. Oh yeah, dude, not, uh, like, no, no uh, joke. And that's why I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, Like, the worst thing about it, too, is, like, we can have this conversation, Brett, and we know you, and we know you do really good things. But if we get any other youth hockey director, they're literally going to say the same thing that you are. Oh, it's our kids. We're trying to keep the cost down. this That's the thing that really pisses me off about youth hockey is that everybody always says the right things, but nobody actually follows through on it. And to hear you talking about, like, bringing people together to, like, offset costs – and we don't have to travel and we're actually going to build maybe a little bit of a healthy culture in the town that we're in rather than everybody always at each other's throats and, you know, negative recruiting. These guys are terrible and this and that, like, like it's just, Oh my God, it's created this atmosphere that is like so infuriating. And it's just really cool to hear you talk about that.
2: And I'm, I'm not even a hockey director here. All I do is coach our midget team. I, I work with our, I work with our directors and our GM and and everybody else. and, And I try to, I try to, to help out where I can um, on on that side of things. Running my own spring and summer program, like w- I have a couple guys that help me out on the coaching side of things, but I run the entire thing and I do it all on the back end. Like it's it's a passion project. I've I will I am such an advocate for the betterment of California hockey. Like even if it's to our club's detriment and our um and, and my personal like wins and losses for who I'm coaching. Like I, I don't care. Like what, when I started coaching here, um, I guess five, five or six years ago now, the, the main goal that I had when I I was only, I only promised I would coach for two years and here we are in year six or whatever. The one goal that I had was that we could reestablish being a club that kept the kids here at least through 16 triple a, that was my the only goal. It wasn't winning anything. It wasn't um, it, it wasn't anything else. That was the one thing that I sat down with the club and the families like that, that of the kids that I coached Pee Wee AAA major that year. And I said, my goal is nothing else other than to create the framework here that keeps you guys here through midget 16s. And if we do, if I, if I do that, then everything else that we did to make that happen will, will, will result in development will result in cost savings will result in all of those things. Like that, that's the, the lead up to that. So right away, the, the group that I coach, which was 06s, um they had a really bad relationship with the, the ducks program down in, in, in Anaheim to the point where like they had to, they played their like mandatory league games and then that was it against each other. And, the first thing that I did was I reached out to their coach and just said, Hey, I heard things were really bad last year. Like I want to introduce myself and let you know that it's going to be different. And um, by the end of the year, we had, we had played each other a number of times. And more importantly, we worked together to bring in other teams to come play us. So it was like, Hey, we're going to host these two teams. Everyone plays each other four or five times, and then they're going to go home. Like you get the ice at your place. I'll get the ice at our place. And we did that, um, you know, five or six times. And we ended up playing the same amount of games that they played this season before, but only had to travel half the amount of times. Um, and we did that last year with our midget team at the 15 level. Um, we played, I think I think we played about 70 games or so and we played half of them in California because we, that's hilarious by the way. Um, <laughs> we played half of them in California because we had Connecticut come out. We had uh, little Caesars come out. We had Omaha Phoenix. Like it can be done here, but you have to work with the other clubs and like, I'm a big proponent of let's draw a line in the sand between orange County and LA until a certain age. Because people, the LA Kings recruit a bunch of the Orange County kids when they're 12 to play peewees here, or 11 or 12, or kids come in from other areas. Now they're 14 and they're leaving after Bantams because they don't want to make the hour and a half drive anymore. Like, let's develop our LA kids here that are close. We might not we might not be a top 5, 10 team in the country anymore. We might be a top 15 or 20 team. But those kids are going to stay through 16s because there's a pathway for them to stay here they don't have to leave and go to the academies and whatever else like it's the only way to make it work out here and i think that chicago michigan whatever they have it even easier because there's there's five teams that are really really good like you guys shouldn't be losing players anywhere um you know based on that like a a california team just went out and played like five of the chicago teams in a row like they just flew out and played you know one game again in each team and came back like they should be setting that up all the time,
0: totally, man. It's, like it,
2: uh, it's everyone until until all of this until all of the hockey stuff, and it starts with coaches. Like at our club, like I'm I'm critical of our club always because I think we can always be better. I, I I love I think that if we don't if we're not hard on ourselves about what we can be do, doing better, then we're not putting a better product out. Um, in California, like, and I'm sure it's everywhere a lot of the, all the coaches are independent contractors basically outside of coaching their team and filling like lessons. And, you know, the things that come along with that are, are become more important because of the financials than, you know, actually developing the players that you're coaching and, um, and, and the commitment you make to them. And so until hockey in general becomes, everyone stops having their hand in the cookie jar. Um, then it's only going to get more divided. It's only going to get uh, more expensive and it's, it's just going to be harder and harder. And I think we're making it harder than it has to be.
1: <laughs> Amen. So, well, so well said. Is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head? And I'm sure it's not on the top of your head to get to that place. Like yeah. how do we get to that place? Very, and not very, having very, everybody. Very
2: very, very easily. There has to be the, the government, like until there's actual rules in place, like it, it doesn't matter. And like, I don't know that USA hockey wants to do what, what they actually have to do to curb some of this. Like, I think the first thing that they did was when they opened up quote unquote, you know, juniors to all of these leagues and everything else. The first thing it did was water down, um, you know, u 18. So they open the door for that. Um, you know, and I get that it's a free market and that we live in a capitalistic society. Like I'm all for capitalism. I'm all for everyone. You know, if you put the best product out there, people will buy it. Like I'm all for that. Um, but until USA hockey puts rules into place about what organizations can and can't do, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to get any better uh, as as long as there's different avenues for people to make money. And, um, and, and, and again, a lot of these programs, I'm this isn't a knock on like Academy programs or, or other AAA programs or whatever else, like a lot of them do actually provide really good value versus like, Hey, what you spend in California to play a season of hockey here by the time you fly everywhere and miss school and everything else. Like, you know, there's a reason that the top few kids from here go to Shattuck every year or other places. Like, but until, until there's something that's put into place um, across the board, it's just – when you're allowing a 12-year-old team to play 55 games before Christmas, like, you know, you, you, could, you could just as easily say, hey, uh, you know, 12U is allowed, let's call it 60 games for the season, and, you know, based on your region, X amount of those games have to be in your state. Well, like, you just – You just made organizations have to figure out their scheduling better than saying like, let's just get on a plane every weekend. And you're going to maximize where you're playing and who you're playing and everything else. You know, things like that are really, in my opinion, the way that it works. Now, again, that still leaves a lot of freedom, right? If you're able to play 60 games and you're in Chicago and you can play, you know, 30 games at home. Well, there's five triple a teams you can play everybody six times uh or you know teams that come in to play you from other areas those those may count as local games i don't know just thinking out loud but that's yeah that's sort of you put you put a framework into place like you know i'm big i'm a big proponent of our organization as the kings to put in a limit on how many times a team can travel
1: um amen
2: we have some we have some teams in our in our club that that travel you know they're gonna play like 80 games this year and they're gonna have be on a plane you know uh 13 or
1: 14 times and what does that do for so many families who can't afford that like we're pushing out future stars because we just keep increasing the cost guys if they're below 14 maybe 15 but for sure below 14 They don't need to travel that much. They don't. You get no. better in practice. Practice yeah, and more than you play.
2: Now, granted, like, we're in a unique situation here. I, I feel like Cal- California is, um, you know, and smaller markets are in a unique situation in terms of, of, you know, teams that they're able to play and things like that. But I've been a big proponent of, like, let's start a, a little West Coast league where like Vegas, Vegas at the younger levels, what they're doing now that the Knights are there um, you know, that's going to be a hockey hotbed here soon. Um, You know, Arizona, you know, despite the coyotes struggles and, and stuff like they're, they're producing great players and great teams and great coaches. So I think if we, if we put the framework in place of like on the West coast here, if, if, you know, those are all places you can drive and you can, you can leave after school on a Friday go to Arizona and play two games Saturday, one game Sunday and come home or, or whatever else, like putting, putting, instead of being like, Oh, well, that team's not very good. We're going to fall the my hockey rankings or whatever. Like, it, you know, we, or we're not going to play somebody local. Like you mentioned Tof in Chicago, like, or Michigan, like some of those teams won't play each other, not because they don't want the game, but because they don't want to, you know, fall out of whatever ranking they, they are. So until USA hockey wants to take a deeper look at, they're doing such a great job at the younger ages. Like you look at what what's happened in the last decade since they started the ADM model and, and the type of players that are coming out that are starting at that younger age, they took, they did one, one small thing to change the trajectory of players at a younger age. And why not, why not take it a step further? Why not, why not, why not put some limits into squirts? Why do we have why do we have AAA in squirts? Like, why, great question.
0: Why I do we know. have? I have the answer to that. I know you have the answer. You ready? Hit me. Because USA Hockey can't afford to get sued up their butt a million different times from. Families and parents that have a lot of money that want their kids to play 80 games, (laughs) you know, like, and then that's where that's, that's the thing that really sucks. And, and again, like, I don't know if necessarily USA hockey has done the best job of, um, selling the things that they're doing because it's all research based.
2: No, for sure.
0: cross ice hockey. Like that's what you should be doing at mites. We're, you know, we're like
2: really, we're, we're getting on the ice with our midget guys. They've had, I gave them two full weeks off for Christmas and new year. So we have our first practice right now since the 18th and they're going to do two full ice drills to start practice. And then the rest is just going to be small area, competitive <laughs> drills for 45 minutes so that they can sure. get back in shape. And so I'm off, but I'm with you on that. The, the, the only thing I, and I get, I look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent in all things in life that it's easy to complain. It's hard to, it's hard to affect change by, by putting things in place to actually make the changes you want. I've, I've now just stopped worrying about the whole big thing. Cause I know that, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not big enough to affect change everywhere, but like, I just focus on my little, my little, My little bubble here the guys that i work with the families that i love and care about and i've put my time and effort into those kids and those families and what everyone else is doing i've stopped worrying about and i i can come up with a million solutions and whatever else but like i think we're doing a really really good job here and i think we're affecting change here and if other if other people in california want to follow suit and want to maybe buy into like what we're doing, like what we're doing is working, then great. And if they don't, then that's up to them. So like, I, and I think if everyone kind of took that mindset, like you guys are doing, you know, Vex, like you, you see all these kids that are doing all these workout videos and whatever else, and you're seeing all that. But like, if you, if you worried about that 98%, instead of focusing on the 2% that were in your gym that are coming to you to get better, like, you would drive yourself crazy. Instead, you're taking what you have and making the absolute best out of it. And, you know, to what you're doing. And, and even just putting this on, like, it's, I think the, it's easy to complain about the, the big thing. And if you just take care of where you are and be where your feet are, you can affect like so much, so much change.
0: It's so true, man. Like what you're saying is so unbelievably true. And like you asked what the solution to our problems are and that's people doing things the right way, not caring about what other people think of it and not caring about the competitive aspect of being in my hockey rankings. Because if you do the like, let's face it, like a lot of times the teams that win in youth hockey have the best players. Right, And so it's become a recruiting game, not a development game. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big part of it. Now, what I would say is like, you might have to, if you, if you tell parents that, Hey, we're only playing 50 games this year and we're only traveling four times, like it's going to take people to be like, I don't care if you, Johnny, who's the best player in this city, don't play for me right now. Because all youth hockey is, is what can we do to accommodate little Johnny's family so they can come to us? So, like, so we can have a good My Hockey rankings and then everybody else will want to come to us. Like, it's going to take people at that are hockey directors or presidents in different cities, like all around, like doing things the right way and being okay with doing it that way and not caring if they lose the top one, two, three players for a year or two. And then like everybody always talks about like, the midget hockey, like, start at at the youngest of ages because honestly, I don't think USA Hockey can really do anything about this. USA yeah. Hockey is they're 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 strapped because if they do try to mandate things, like, look what happens when they tried to mandate cross ice hockey at hockey at mites. Everybody yeah. went to AAU. Like yeah. USA Hockey is probably scared that if they try to mandate anything else, AAU is going to take everybody and then USA Hockey is forgot. Like they're not. Yeah. even I'm I
2: think thinking. you know the only the only unique thing that we have in hockey that isn't in other sports is like. The, the, what would have to happen in that situation is there would have to be some agreement from, you know, all the rink owners and everywhere else that they were gonna they were gonna partner with USA Hockey and USA Hockey alone, and there was gonna be some sort of binding agreement there that like you know if 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 an AAU or somebody else wanted to start something like you're not gonna sell them the ice or whatever, but like again, that's a pie in the sky, you know. Thing. <laughs> exactly. I, again, I think you're spot on. I, I, I and when you asked what the solution was. I think the solution is that USA hockey has to mandate all of those things. Now, if that, like that probably can't happen. So then the solution then becomes, you know, taking care of of your house and, and where you are and, and things like that. And I think you hit the nail on the head and it's been the biggest thing that I've been a proponent of, which is letting everyone know well ahead of time what the plan is like, the hard part about hockey directing and hockey coaching and whatever else is like, I love our sport. I love the people in our sport. I love the life lessons that it provides to people, but the hockey director position, the GM position, the uh, whatever else in a lot of youth hockey organizations, or even coaching, it's a low hanging fruit for a lot of people. And it, if, if, and, and, it's a position that you not, not necessarily directing or whatever else, but like a lot of things, like there's a lot of people involved in hockey that maybe don't have the business sense or that don't have the um, uh, other things. Like not everyone has a lot of the things that make a great hockey director, um, you know, communication skills, um, you know, financial literacy, like a lot of things like to do it really, really well, you you have to have a lot of those things. Um, Same thing with coaching. Like, you know, a lot of people get into coaching because like they only know hockey, you know, maybe they didn't do anything else, which is totally fine. And some people don't put their whole heart and soul into working with kids. And like, you know, that's, it is what it is. You're going to get that. Um, So I think, again, it comes down to what you said, like getting the right people together. And I think if there's some sort of curriculum or um, something that is, foundational to your organization and then other organizations are willing to share that and communicate it with each other. That's how, that's how everybody gets better. And I think there's some AAA organizations that do it absolutely fantastic and they might not win national championships or show up, you know, in the, my hockey rankings up high yet, they continue to produce good players and more importantly, good people. And then I think that there's other organizations that are in the top five every year that, you know, if I had a son, I would never consider sending them, to, to some of those places. And you, you brought up recruiting versus development. Um, you know, I think Ben, the kid that I talked about earlier is a, p- a perfect example. And
0: again, you, before you start, go back. If, yeah. if you're, if you're listening to this right now, go back to minute, what was it? 15 or 10 or whatever. yeah, <laughs> And go listen to that. Cause that was awesome.
2: Yeah. And, and so, so Ben, when I, when I was taking over this team, um, after their banner year, I knew that I was going to be getting the team. So I met with the families in in January or December, whenever it was, and that's usually the time in California when people are kind of making their decision on on what's next. And uh, I sat with all the families and all the players, and I said, "Here's here's what our practice schedule is going to look like. I'm going to make sure that we play as many local games as possible. We're not going to travel outside of our our Tier One Elite League plus. Um, I'm going to get you in front of the, you know the USHL Fall Classic." the NTDP, um, tournament that they do. And then, and then one other one. So it's like one a month, basically, uh, which is less than they've done in the past year. Uh, here's what our training schedule looks like. Here's what the expectation of time at the rink looks like. And, um, you know, here's our coaching staff, whatever else. And if you want to be here, great. If you don't, it's totally fine. And a few people went, uh, other places, I love the families that left. They, I still work with their kids when they're home in the summer, but we did beat three teams that had kids leave to go play other places on our way to the national championship last year, no big deal. <laughs> um, and- uh, Grass and ben, isn't always greener on the other side, uh, is it? <laughs> no, we, wa- we water our grass here, so it's really green. Uh, <laughs> but but Ben, so I sat down with Ben and his family, and like you know, he was a great Bantam player, and he could have gone to any top program that he wanted to and the big thing that we sat down and talked about was i was like look i've watched you play i've coached you for 3 years in different aspects and things like that and and i've talked to the coaches that that know you and that you're looking to you know potentially go to the NTDP like i I've, I've talked with those guys like i know what the knocks on your game are i know what coaches and and players or coaches think of you i know what you need to work on and you have my f- full commitment that like i'm my goal this year is not to win or whatever else it's that you're going to be the best possible player. You can be by the end of the year, and we're going to close that gap on those deficiencies. And, and, you know, that's your D zone coverage. That's your, you know, your, your body language, like all of those other things that, you know, and I'm like, you can either get that from day one here, or you can go to any of these other teams and they're not going to figure out what you need to work on until December after you've been with them for, 3 or 4 months and at that point they're going to have a decision to make. Play the next 3 months and be okay with hey, he's such a good offensive player that we're going to deal with the rest of that stuff because we have to win in order for kids to keep coming here or they might say hey, we'll put in the work to to help him develop these next 3 months. We'll see what happens and you can either take that chance or you can, you know, have a guarantee that like that's what you're going to get here and he chose to stick around and same with a few other kids that we had the same conversation. It was like every, and I commented on something you posted the other day about rolling the lines or whatever. And it's like, you know, every kid on our team plays a regular shift. Every kid on our team, even at the midget level plays a power play, plays a penalty kill. Everybody plays about evenly until January. Um, And that's how do you you approach that?
1: What's that approach? How do you approach that at that level with the parents and the players. How do you get them on board?
2: Yeah, it's in a meeting well before the season starts that if you're on this team, I'm here to develop you. And the way you develop is not sitting on the bench. Like, you play. And we lost games last year. We didn't lose a lot, but we lost games last year where our fourth fourth line was on the ice, you know, up a goal with a minute left, and we got scored on. Now, we won games in march and april because our fourth line then got to go play another shift up by a goal and got the puck out of the zone and you know whatever else or like our third line you know we needed a big goal and our top guys weren't on the ice it was our our next group of guys and we won games in March and april because those guys had the confidence to play those big minutes and more importantly like i think the the coolest thing for me as a coach and what i think is like the secret sauce of a great team is if you, you will buy into whatever your role ends up being from January to March, a hell of a lot more. If you had the opportunity from September to December to get into the power play, to play some bigger minutes to whatever else, like you had that chance. And if you didn't succeed at it, like you can't be upset that you didn't, you're not getting it in January through March, but you had the chance. And so you're going to run through a wall for your team and your coaches or whatever else. um, Later on down the road, even if it's a
1: lesser role, Steph goal horn, goal horn, goal horn, (laughs) goal horn. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Please.
2: We We are like, I, I've been so fortunate to coach some incredibly gifted players. Like we, we had a great group of players. We had four kids that got invited to the NTDP camp. One of them made it. We had, I think we've got three or four, we've got, I think four or five kids that are committed already. Like we don't, I'm not sitting here saying we're like, you know, the school of the blind on ice here. Like we have very good players and I'm not making something out of nothing, but like the, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to win. I think the winning, Winning is a byproduct of the development of, of a, a lot of the players. And, you know, I don't – I'm always the first one to say, like, don't confuse activity with accomplishment and and don't confuse winning with development. Like, you can win games at the youth hockey level without developing players. Like, if you're, if you're coaching the squirt or the peewee kid that, you know, cheats in the D zone all the time and you know he's going to score two or three goals a game so you don't correct it – you're gonna win a lot of games, but like that kid's not gonna be a better player. You're hurting like, that
1: kid. You're yeah. Hurting you're, hurt,
2: you're hurting, you're hurting that kid. And it's and it's really hard to sit. And I, but I think again, it goes to communication and delivery. Like, it's really hard to tell an 11 year old kid that just scored a goal, like, hey, what you just did, even though it worked, was not the right play. And now, not only do you have to tell them that, like, you have to now show him why that's why that is and what they could do differently. And then, you know, that that takes some massaging. Like you can't can't just say that and 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 walk away down the bench. Like it's like, you know, while the play's going on, like you might have to be like, hey, yeah, it worked, but here's what is going to happen at the next level or whatever. And then you got to revisit it and whatever, all those things. And like um, you know, we had a we had this really good peewee team when I was my first year coaching, we were we had a. So you, are you still at? Are you still at? You're still at Michigan, right? No, no,
0: I'm not there anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're not there. there okay, now, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So we have one of the kids on our team um, from that year was is committed to Michigan, and is that uh, uh, Aiden? Aiden Park, yeah. Yeah. What a kid!
0: Dude, what a kid! I um, I was uh, there last year when they were recruiting them and so got to meet yeah, him the family. Uh, yeah. yeah, unreal.
2: We we ended up winning that. He was an MVP of the Quebec tournament. We ended up winning that with that group of kids, and we had you know working with him was one of the most fun things that I've ever had experience with in coaching an individual player. Uh, still, still to this day, and I and this isn't a knock on any of the other players that I've I've coached. There is not another player that I've coached even today, like when he comes back for the summers or whatever else that that raises the level of the people around him on the ice and off the ice more than that kid and if an NHL GM takes a shot on him he will be a Joe Pavelski or a just a guy that you can't figure out why he continues to have success cuz he's not the prettiest player in the world but he raises everyone's level around him but with that being said like it was really hard he was an incredible peewee player and we had a couple others and he It takes a certain maturity level that he had even at that age to agree with you that the goal that he scored was something that might not work later on. And when you get the one guy to start buying into that, then the other guys follow him. And we had some other guys that were, you know, the, the puberty kids at 12. Like we won that tournament because we had four defensemen that are, I think, playing. If they're not in USHL now, they're about to be um and they were all huge back then that's impossible to lose when you have that but some of them could just shoot the puck from anywhere and it could go in it's like guys like i know you can do that but i'm asking you not to um and it takes some buy-in from from 12 year olds to to to, but but if you do it with your best couple players the other kids also buy in they're not trying to toe drag at the blue line when they enter the zone on a one-on-two um and so if you hold everyone to the same standard when they're 12, those, those, those middle of the pack players, they're going to be better for it too. Um, and I think Aiden was like the perfect example of that as like a 12 year old. And I, I'm so happy to see how you know much success and everything else that he's had since then.
0: That doesn't surprise me one bit from having met him and, and his mom on their visit, like and that's the thing, like for all the kids that are listening, like here's a 12 year old, 13 year old, whatever, who's now committed to Michigan. And I think he was like, I don't know, he was probably third overall draft pick or first round the USHL at some point, yeah. high round draft pick. But like, man, if you were one of the best players on your team at any level, peewees, bantams, midgets, like if you want to win and you're one of the best players, if you're one of the hardest working players or the hardest working player on your team, I guarantee you, your team will win. I guarantee uh, you your team will win because everybody follows the best players and what they do. And if the best players, and this is true at the NHL level all the way down, like if your best players are hot dogs and your best players don't want to buy in and your best players want to do things their way, then you're not you might win if you have talent, but you're not going to win a championship. If best players are the hardest workers at any level, like everybody else is going to buy in. And like, so if you want to win, if you're competitive and you're one of the best players on your team, be the hardest worker, guarantee you are going to win. And that that whole birth year here was was very similar
2: to him in how hard
0: they work. Like, Vax,
2: if you could have worked with this group of kids, you would have – it's probably the reason that I've coached as long as I have. Like, working with those kids for three years, starting with that peewee year, was, like, some of the most rewarding times in my life because they – like, Aiden had – I don't know what, what was going on with his sinuses, but the kid had a runny nose for, like – Twelve years, he would literally be in practice with just snot coming down his nose, just looking at you like a bull with a cape, and like Drake Murray, Tyler Chiavetti, uh, Tori Pittner, who's playing the USHL now. Like oh, all of these guys, All of these guys are committed, and um, and we had many other. Quentin Bourne is in the Western League. Like we have a bunch of kids that were like, but Aiden drove the boat. Like he just had like this one percent more. He would hit somebody in practice at, at Pee Wee's. And Quentin Bourne and him would go at each other one on one in drills. And Quentin would beat the shit out of Aiden. Sorry for the language. <laughs> would beat the crap out of him in practice. And they would end up like coming up like almost punching each other. They were hit, like going at each other so hard, but it set the tone for the rest of the guys that like that's what practice is going to look like. And they made my job a lot easier and more fun. Um, and I don't know how we segued to that, but it, 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 I think if you can create that environment at the, at the youth level, like we talked about, and, and you explained that before the season, like Vex, like our practices were harder than our games wow. because like you said, awesome. if you, but, but I think that there's, there's also, it's easy to say that. And it's another thing to create the practice plans and the, and the planning for doing that. Like it's not going to be harder if you're just constantly skating around cones or doing the same five drills uh, you know, every time. So it's like, how do we as coaches work together to 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 share things that create that in all of our practices and in in all of our stuff like that the collaboration versus the you know club versus club we're not going to talk to you we're not like screw you guys like you you don't know what you're talking about over there instead of like how do we come together as coaches in the offseason and work with all of these kids. And then, Hey, well, yeah, we play for different clubs during the season, um, you know, and, and, and be willing to be humble enough to um, know that we don't know everything and that we want to learn from other guys and that, Hey, that guy down the road at the Ducks might be able to offer me something to teach my players and vice versa. Um, right,
1: and just talking about like, you know, having the best players like going at each other and playing hard. Another thing like coaches you got to do is like, you've got to, instill that in your leadership group like hey you need to be doing this for you guys in the room you are the best players on the team as of right now and what are your goals you ask them because then when you connect someone's goals and they tell you them now you can hold them to that standard and now they don't feel uh upset or or emotionally damaged or hurt when you try to hold them to the standard because like you told me that you want to play juniors next year you
2: told me that you 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 wanted so and here's what you you are not you are not I'm being hard on you because this is what you said your goals were right and if you you, your actions right now are not aligning with what you told me so are you going to change your goals or are you going to change your actions
1: exactly and and getting your yeah and getting your leaders on board because like Tope said then all the other players follow suit and it, it reminded me of um and you know after my sophomore year at Western like I could have signed with so many NHL teams I decided to come back and I went to Chris big Frank deal. Yeah, big I went deal. I went to Chris Frank Frank the tank the hardest hitter in all of college yeah. hockey maybe college hockey ever. ever and um he had just been drafted 2 years before um in college and I was like mm-hmm. hey you know, like, I'm going to leave after this year. My goal is to sign the NHL and leave after this year. Every single practice, every single drill, I want to go against you, and I want you to go against me. Because he wanted to go pro at, at some point, you know, in college, whenever. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to leave after this year. Like, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to practice like every day. So anytime there's any drill where you and I can get in the front of the line, we're, we're going against each other. And we but, did it, it all season long.
2: But it took you guys – to take control of your own development and, right. and do that, right. right? And like, I think that that's massive amongst players. And I love that that's one of the first things you see when you go to the NTDP rink is like, take control of your own development. I I've, I've love that. How do we as coaches help our players do that, right? Like pulling a kid aside and be like, hey, you're our best player and you've gone against, like, I love Johnny, but he's our sixth defenseman. Like you have this conversation in private and you say, right. hey, he's great. He's a huge part of this team, but this person's our best defenseman. Why are you not going against him uh, every day in practice? And like, I think, you know, to kind of put a ribbon on this part of the topic, it's like, you know, I think that so there's so many things that actually are, um, I don't know if developable is the right word in my west that's i didn't a western
1: go, word that's probably a cornell word that's a good word
0: i'll
2: yeah. we'll take it yeah yeah is it on the board um <laughs> i and i and i think you know like i think for a long time people were like oh hockey iq you either have it or you don't uh that competitiveness you either have it or you don't and and i think that that's total bs um i look at what are we doing with eight U players and 10 U players in, in practice? And a lot of it is you start a drill with the puck and you end a drill with the puck and you, um, you know, it looks pretty, you're working on the stick handling moves or whatever else, but like, you can teach, you know, angling, you can teach body position, you can teach competitiveness. Like I think when you incorporate races at the eight U level, uh, for anything like not only are your kids going to get faster and more competitive, um, but they're going to have more fun and um, you're going to see that growth a lot quicker. Same thing, you know, (laughs) like fostering the, the, the body contact and the, and the, and the aggression that we have in our game is so important. And we don't see that I think enough at the younger levels. And I think if you are truly going to be good at this game, you have to, you have to really like that part of the game and the quicker you're exposed to it, and the and that competition of it and that aggression of it, um, and I'm not saying in a dirty way, like just the love of good way. going, loving yeah. going into a corner with a guy, knowing that it's you versus him, and whoever comes out with that puck is going to be, you know, the one that's more successful. Like if you can establish that in an early age, you don't have the kid that's the really good 12 year old that now they're 13 and checking starts, and it's like whoa it's like, it's all part of the development. And I think that that's, you know, one thing that might be lacking a little bit in terms of across the board. Um, especially with, you know, the game, with the game changing in terms of how physical it is, like where you can be physical, um, teaching that early is just like, so, so freaking important.
1: Well, and let's be honest too. Like the world is getting soft and weak. We, we need to teach aggression, not unbridled murdering people in the street, but we need to teach the value of aggression. And because if you're being aggressive, it means you're doing. The world is run by doers and people that take action. And Toph and I talk about on this podcast, all the time about how we should all be using hockey and youth sports in general as metaphors to help people have healthier, happier, more successful lives. And that is done by doing, not sitting around on your hands, waiting, hoping something is going to be gifted to you. That's not how the world works. So aggression is something we need to be instilling the, you know, the right type of aggression into young players.
2: Well, and I think, I think that, I think that, no matter what, you know, no matter what it is in life, there's a, there's usually a winner and a loser um, in, 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 in pretty much everything, whether it be sports and business or whatever else, like there's, there's certainly like, there's, there's enough, there's enough room in the world for everyone to have success, but what does success look like to you? And I think in hockey, it, you know, number one, how do you, how do you handle, how do you handle winning and how do you handle losing? Like, if we create battles and you lose your battle, do you sulk, did, did that person, oh, he cheated, whatever else. What's your response to that to then go back in line and do it again? Same thing if you win. So it's not about winning, like winning at all costs. It's like there's a winner and a loser. You're going to have another opportunity if you lose. Same thing when you win, just because you won once doesn't mean that it's done. You have to keep winning over and over again. And that is something that, I think we've lost a little bit of not in uh, not in our game as much, but maybe in in just life in general. It's like everyone gets the trophy, and it's like it's okay, it's okay to lose. Like it is okay to lose. Like you are going to lose so many times in this life, and it's like if you don't allow a kid to learn how to handle losing at eight or ten or twelve, what's going to happen the first time that they get told they're not good enough? or they don't get accepted to the college they wanted to go to or the girlfriend breaks up with them or whatever. Like let's let our kids lose. Let's let our kids win. Like it's okay. And that to me, if we can create that at a younger age, we develop them as hockey players and we develop them as young men and women. Like, you know, it's to, that's that's the at the core of what I teach and believe.
1: Dude, when I have kids Battle, young, old, NHL, college, junior, literally doesn't matter what age. I look around the room before we start some kind of competition drill. And I'm like, look the guy across from you in the eye right now. I want you to want to murder this guy. I want you to win. And when you win, I want you to chirp him. And the loser, you've got to do blank. And literally, like, if they're not chirping, the younger kids, because, like, they're, like, softer. I'm like, no, 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 chirp him. Right now, chirp him. And then I'll talk about, like, I don't want you to do that in the real world but I want you to love winning so much and I want, the guy who's losing. I want you to hate losing yeah. so much that you want to get up and go again right now and try to win. And that other guy wants right. to stay on top. Like, I literally tell guys to chirp each other in the gym. And then I'll bring everybody over. Let's watch this battle right here. Yeah. How how,
2: how, much, how much better is your how much better is your energy oh. level amongst and They ones?
1: go nuts and everybody's like, chirping, everybody we're, everybody wants to win and I'm like, we're,
2: yeah. We're we're literally going out to practice here in a few minutes and we I've got two teams set up and they're going to basically play a small area games tournament for 45 minutes. Cause they've been off the ice for two weeks. And they think that the lines that they have on the wall right now are like, you know, they're going to get like bag skated or something, which I don't do the bag skates, but, but they're, they're, they're in teams. They're going to get on the ice. They're going to do their first two drills. And then they're going to think something really hard is coming. And it's going to be, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get, we've had two weeks off. Like we're going to compete. And the kids are going to be drenched. They're going to be, Beating the shit out of each other, and it's gonna be the quickest way for them to get back into game shape. And they're gonna have a ton of fun doing it. And the and the and the the losing team's gonna have to untie winter skates or bring that. or whatever. Um, you know, so, um, that's it's I'm spot on, like, I love I love that stuff.
0: Well, Brett, I feel like, uh, I feel like if either myself or my tattooed cousin over on the other side of the screen there, if one of us dies, you're probably next in line to be in the host on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
2: like, I think any, I think anybody that, that loves this game for what it is and, and loves the great things about the game and, and really looks at it introspectively and not from a, Hey, I want, I need to make money on this thing they agree with everything that you guys talk about and that to me is the difference like you know we you guys do this because you believe in the sport and you believe in the people that are around it and um you know i i'm certainly not perfect and i make plenty of mistakes as a coach and with with all of this stuff but like i've got what i believe in and It aligns with what you guys are doing, and I, you know, I'm I'm super grateful to have a a quick outlet here to be a part of this. But I, you guys are doing such great things, so keep it up, and hopefully, you know, hopefully this can become, you know, the norm, not the exception.
0: Totally, man. Totally, man. Yeah, thank you for those words, and keep doing a great job out there in L.A. Um, We're gonna have to, in fact, we're gonna have to come out and visit. (laughs) I'm yeah, that
1: that you're, you're <laughs> definitely, we don't have a lot of recurring guests on this show, but every one that we do is an absolute killer sniper and you're on the list to come back, bro. A hundred percent awesome. Sign me up. I will, okay,
2: I will bro. happily, I will happily come back. I love, I love, uh, I love chatting about this stuff, especially with people that I'm not uh, debating about it for their <laughs> some agreement. So sign me up, sign me up. I'm in. Oh um, yeah. You have to jump on the ice here to coach. Yeah. That's, but Thank you guys for for the platform. I, it was so much fun.
0: I yeah, absolutely. Thank you for all you're doing for the game too. And yeah, we'll we'll have you back on at some point again for sure. Thanks, man. Awesome. All
2: right, guys. I'll talk all soon. Right.
0: See ya.